Hey listeners, shit out an egg and pretend podcasting isn't boring, because today we're talking about Rick and Morty Season 4, Episode 7. I One day I will be prepared and have the episode <laughs> on the tip of my tongue. Uh, it's like uh, Promortius. Promortius. So, I am your beautiful host, Joe. I am your sarcastic host, Brandon. And uh, I'm just here. I'm Toby. <laughs> okay, good. You said his name this time. Um... Sorry, my real name is Tobanus, apparently. (laughs) I enjoyed this episode very much. This was a good um, first of the five episodes that they released. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah, no, Jeff Loveness can do no wrong. He's only done one other episode of Rick and Morty besides this. It's true. I thought it was zero. No, no, Clawn Hoarder's good. Well, depends if you ask Dan. Clawn Hoarder's is the worst episode of the season so far. Also, Dan said in his... I don't know if he was fucking with me or not. He said that he liked last week's episode. Correct. Is he fired? He's mixing our audio (laughs) for nothing, so no. But at the same time... Um, ladies and gentlemen, don't patronize the guy's um, music hands. or help his career in any way. Just, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you his last name. Just anybody named Dan who's doing audio stuff, don't patronize them. Got to be careful, Joseph. It's not like I could invent what I tell you is a time travel machine just to make you learn your lesson that involves vats of acid somehow or anything like that. <laughs> or make your voice sound super funny. What did y'all think of this episode? Compared to last week's episode, which wasn't, you know, what one would call a, quote, story, I really enjoyed this one and felt like, as I was watching, it was like, okay, cool, we're back. I am trying to contextualize it outside of last week's episode with just, like, all Rick and Morty episodes, so I have some thoughts, which I think I'll get into as we go on in the episode, but overall, yes, I enjoyed it, yes, I was laughing, It. I was watching a Rick and Morty episode. All right, Toby. I liked it. I thought that it was uh, – the story was was pretty good. I, I felt like it, it might not have lived up story-wise to like original Rick and Morty like seasons one, two, and most of three. But it was a very funny episode. The story was still pretty good. There were a lot of jokes that, that uh, in classic Rick and Morty fashion made you laugh and also yell, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, let's just throw a couple out there such as – Man, this is fun. Let's keep destroying things. And then they approach <laughs> two, like, towers. two towers. Go like, very silent from it. Honestly, at first, I didn't get it. I didn't either. It took, it took me, me a second. second. I'm like, why? Why? What's so special about this? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I. The joke didn't land until after they were flying away, and I was like, okay. Yeah, no, as soon as Rick's like, no, that would be low-hanging fruit, I'm like, oh, okay, it's that's like, what they're doing. But it's a literal thought process of, what's low-hanging about two towers? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about that joke is that you just know in the writer's room, someone was like, yeah, like, what if, what if they destroy the Twin Towers? And then we're like, nah, that's low-hanging fruit. And then everyone laughed, and someone, like, got all serious, like, that shit's going in. <laughs> I also just love them explaining it to Beth, like, yeah, we were going to 9-11 them, but instead we Pearl Harbored them. Why were either of those an option? <laughs> and, and Jerry going, well, I'm sorry I didn't 9-11 Pearl Harbor before breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And of course, um, Toby, please say your favorite joke of the episode to confirm what I'm pretty sure is your favorite joke of the episode. I mean, I think I know what you want me to say. Is it them almost dying by shitting eggs at the end and then farting? They didn't fart. They literally shit on the floor. 
Oh, I guess you're right. That actually, this might come as a shock, but I wasn't a huge fan of that joke just because... Really? Well, I mean, it was funny, (laughs) but I didn't laugh because I saw it coming like a mile away. No, so did I. I absolutely saw it coming. For context for the audience, Toby not being enamored with a shit joke is like if Scooby-Doo got offered a plate of Scooby snacks and was just like, Maybe later. I'm just, I, I, I'm not really feeling them right well, now. You came up with a better <laughs> metaphor than I did. Mine was is as off kilter as Hitler falling in love with a Jew. <laughs> but I'm just I'm very surprised. I saw it coming a mile away too. But it was still no, very funny. I liked Beth's reaction. Like Beth, say goodbye to your son. He's dying. And she's like, oh, you told me you'd keep me in the loop. <laughs> Something I didn't realize about that joke until, like, basically just now when I was just browsing the reviews. Uh, the joke that he makes in the middle of that of just, like, we're going out, Morty, full circle from the pilot. That's because <laughs> in the pilot, they literally have to shove seeds up their ass. Yeah, no, I got that on my second watch. Now they're hatching eggs and dying. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. I, I actually didn't pick up on that. I wasn't sure I did sure not catch meant. that. I guess what made me not like the joke... I, like... I liked it, but I wasn't, I, I, I didn't like it as much as you might expect. So one of my favorite jokes of all time in Rick and Morty is the, uh, the fart joke at the end of the episode, um, the end of the, the, the fart, the fart episode, yeah, the, the fart uh, episode. season three, episode two, I believe. the sentient, uh, telepathic cloud fart. And yeah, it's, it's either season three or season two, episode two. And I, I really like the joke at the end of that episode because they sold it so well. Like, yeah, Rick's about to o- literally open a portal that, and millions of those beings would come and, like, cleanse the universe of, of all carbon life. So it was, like, a really terrifying prospect, and then it just ends with him farting. I can't believe I'm putting this much thought into a fucking fart joke. But No, 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 <laughs> you are correct. This is It is a very high-concept fart joke. It just felt like... As soon as they started that bit, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Like, this is basically the same joke. Yeah. No, no. That what you're, it's and, absolutely and so much of that joke was amazing because of the surprise of it. And this one just didn't have that for me. So if I may analyze the joke. That joke. Analyze the joke. If aha. That, that joke that Toby's talking about is, I completely agree, is absolutely brilliant because – Yes, like, of course it would happen, because, like, Rick's been making fun of the creature this whole time, but we're not thinking about that, because we're thinking about the fact that the creature just revealed that it's going to murder the entire universe, and Morty has to kill it. This huge emotional, like, gut punch of a scene distracts us that we completely forget that, of course, Rick is going to make a fart joke about this thing. Right. There was nothing to distract us away from the fact that it's going to be a shit joke. You know why, for me, because obviously they're not going to die. For me, that's probably why I saw it coming. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two. Because it's like, it would be perfect. It would be a thing, like Rick opening up a portal to the thing, you know, as like as a treat for Morty, like, you know, here you go, here's the, here's, here's your friend back. But... You know, obviously, they're not going to explode. Like, when they ha- when they lay eggs, they explode, which, again, really does not make them a sustainable life 
uh, form, if, if, especially since they only leave one egg. I did find that really funny when the guy crash lands into the into the destroyed city, gets face hugged. The guy, the face hugger, like looks around the place and just like, "Well, I'm not cleaning this up," and just shits himself to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a very Rick and Morty existential bit that like this species literally it like takes a host hostage and then makes the host shit itself so hard that it dies. I'm going to bring up the joke, which I just, I was not expecting them to take this there. This was the only joke where I was just like, oh, wow, they're actually going here, was the Rick and Morty incest, which technically wasn't incest, but it kind of was since it had, well, they had the same it, voices. It's like if you made out with your dad while wearing a face mask. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of that joke because it felt kind of Family Guy, like, fuck you, audience, to me. <laughs> a, a little bit. But, it absolutely but then, did. But then when you realize it was just Summer trolling them with the narration of the story, that was funny to me. Oh, I didn't realize that. No, I think it actually happened. It didn't strike me as Family Guy. It just, it was, it was gross, but at the same time, it wasn't really them. It was, actually, now that I think of it, they were... Eggmates, so I guess it is incest. I, I don't know. We we don't know if it was laid by the same person. It wasn't incest, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> if you're if you weren't looking at the screen, just listening to it, it's their voices and they're making out with each other and talking about fucking. Like, it's, and I am sure Justin Roiland enjoyed recording that. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, suck me. Do you realize, based on how Justin Roiland operates as a human being, they probably had fucking 50 hours of him saying that shit, and and they finally wrote it in? Can you imagine all of the Justin Roiland B-roll that exists out there? (laughs) Oh, there's probably a lot. It's corn niblets and dead weathermen, Morty. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that so funny? Because it's the weirdest fucking shit. It's like, if alternate universes are like channels on a TV, Corn Niblets and Dead Weathermen are the static. <laughs> it's just, it's very specific and very weird and very Royland. So quick details about this episode. Um, it was written by Jeff Loveness, as we've mentioned before, who wrote the last episode and also wrote uh, Claw and Hoarder special Rictims Morty in the first half. I like fucking woolly mammoths, yeah. We're going to ignore the last episode. We're just going to talk about Promordius and uh, Claw and Hoarder. How do you guys feel they stacked up, comparatively? Um, I'd say they're pretty on par with one another. Uh, yeah, I thought this one was probably about as funny as the um, Claw and Hoarders. Both very funny episodes, but I thought the story in this one was better. Interesting, because for me, both of the, this and Claw and Hoarder have great jokes, but overall the story is not like what I'm tuning into those episodes for. The jokes are really spot on in both of those for me. The Slept Dragons just was super funny to me, but both of them, the story feels a little weak. The story in this one did not have like the classic uh, Rick and Morty, like larger sci-fi implication. Any large sci-fi implication of that kind of felt like a knockoff of the unity message, which was that if everybody is a hive mind, it can be a collective society, all focused on making good. But if you allow individualism, people can make the wrong choice. This kind of felt like their sci-fi thing there was just like the facehugger saying, we're a peaceful society. Why would you assume we're evil? We've been trying to work towards peace together. I didn't realize that freedom meant people doing things that sucked. <laughs> First race war, huh, Summer? (laughs) 
Brandon, I agree with you that it's not the what-the-fuck existential the shit that keeps you up at night kind of things that are associated with Rick and Morty, but the jokes are up to Rick and Morty standards, and I am happy with it. I pretty much agree with, with both of you on this. Brandon, that was a really astute point. Joseph, not so much. All right. No, I, I'm just... No, I, I just... It just felt weird to, like, acknowledge both of you and then acknowledge and then Brandon be like... and then not acknowledge you. <laughs> so I, you know, I chose to acknowledge yeah. you. Don't you feel heard? I do feel acknowledged. But yes, Brandon, I really like that that point about um, how the story doesn't have any overarching sci-fi implications like like traditional Rick and Morty. Um, and I think I think that's a large part of what was missing from the story f- for me. Not quite the same existential horror. A little bit. I guess face huggers making you shit yourself so hard you die is fairly Lovecraftian. Well, maybe not Lovecraftian, but... A question for both of you about this. Um, did you pick up on Harmonica's trigger shitting? No, not at all. That was not well established. I'm like... All right, that's weird, but okay, let's go with it. My exact thoughts. I kind of assumed that's what was happening when Morty was in the cell playing harmonica, but then I didn't think anything of it, and then I saw him like, oh, I guess I got that right. Yeah, even if I had assumed that, it didn't mean much to me. Like, it felt very much like just an excuse to have everybody explode. I did not pick up on that at all. When they're in the cell, I was just like, oh, wow, he was playing harmonica, and then this guy shat out an egg. I guess those two things happened in very close proximity, not, oh, there's a causal relationship going on here. We may have been correlating some things that weren't actually related at all. (laughs) I completely missed that joke. I, I was like, okay, I picked up on it after the fact. It's like, I'm fine with it. It just like, it did feel very much like an excuse to have a lot of aliens shooting themselves to death as opposed to like an actual plot point kind of thing. Yeah, like they were in the room and were kind of like, well, we can't just have this harmonica thing come out of nowhere. So let's like put a scene where Morty plays it and the guy shits himself or eggs himself. What's the what's the non-offensive term for that? Yeah, eggs himself, I guess. But here's what I'll say. I think it's I'm looking like, up the scientific term for to lay eggs. <laughs> There's got to be something more scientific here. You look it up in a medical journal, it's just like, the chicken <laughs> shat itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the harmonica thing, I would have been fine if they didn't explain it before. Frick was just like, it's science bullshit, Morty, just go with it. Like, I would have been fine with that. Doing one of those things where he rants... And explains a thing that doesn't actually explain it, but it's like, it's the resonance of their wombs and it forces the egg out. Like, that would have been fine with me. I didn't need a Chekhov's gun. It's not really a Chekhov's gun. It's like... Chekhov's shit harmonica. (laughs) Yes. Also, another joke that I like, speaking of shit, was when they were in the car and and Morty says, well, I didn't see you trying anything. And Rick says, shitting the bed isn't better than not shitting the bed. (laughs) That was a very good joke. (laughs) (laughs) Shitting the bed isn't better than not shitting the bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will say that something just occurred to me about this episode that I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was something that didn't feel quite like a Rick and Morty episode. Obviously, in almost all ways it did, but there was something a little off for me, and I think part of it was that we didn't really see Rick's typical character here. 
Like, his character is traditionally always prepared for every situation, and he was basically helpless in this episode. Huh. As helpless as, as any other character. I don't think he did anything special to get them out of the situation. Besides duct taping the facehuggers back on their face. Yeah, duct taping and, and shooting them. Which are things that, like, Morty could have also done. Exactly. No, that's, that's a very interesting point. I think you're right. It's not, like, out of character per se. Like, him getting face-hugged makes sense because it was a surprise. I'm comparing this one mentally to Look Who's Purging now. Just because I think these are two of them where, like, Rick and Morty find themselves in, like, such a helpless situation. Like, stranded almost. And, Toby, you're completely right that, like, in Purge World, Rick always has a plan given his circumstances. He always is able to, like, take his circumstances and immediately figure out a plan from them. They just get derailed by, like, new information. Like, the fact that What's-Her-Name shoots him and steals the ship. He still has a plan, like, right after that. I agree with you. I never really felt like he had, like, an overarching plan or was, like, more able to, like, kind of take this on. Yeah, and I guess the specific moment that I think showcased my point in this episode is just the entire harmonica scene at the end where they're killing off all the aliens. Like, it's Rick. If he's surrounded by a thousand creatures that want to kill him, that's literally never been a problem for him. His reaction to that is always like, ugh, now I have to deal with this shit. Did he have a problem with it? It's not about his reaction. It's just about, like, why do they need that, like, random harmonica gimmick? Like, in most Rick and Morty episodes, he would have just, like, sci-fied his way out of it. Because he always has a plan. He always has some piece of applicable technology for the situation. But but there, they're just like, nah, like, we'll do a non-sci-fi deus ex machina. Yeah, basically. I'm trying to think of a pun deus ex harmonica, but it's not getting there. That's good enough. Say it with gusto and we'll go along with it. How about Deus Ex Harmonica, am I right? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Joe will not be joining us for future podcasts. Dan, edit in a laugh track. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any other ground we want to cover with this episode? I feel like there are a couple other really funny jokes that we missed. The Adderall joke was good. Wait, the Adderall joke was good and the like, don't worry Morty, it's dead and then it starts twitching and then Rick shoots again. Both of those were in the trailer but still very funny. Oh, also, yeah, here, put this back on. What, you kept it? What, you want a new one? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was was good. Shitting the bed isn't better than not shitting the bed. (laughs) What a fucking good line. All right, so let's quickly like cover like the next episode. The next episode is called the Vat of Acid episode. This sounds like a moral dilemma. It does, sort of. It sounds like the train track moral dilemma for idiots. What are we expecting this episode to be? Um, good. Based on what, <laughs> based on what we saw in the trailer, do we have any specific expectations for this episode? I don't remember what was in the trailer for that. If we die, jump into the same vat of acid as me. Honestly, I, I got no idea what it's going to be. I feel like Rick and Morty these days is so unpredictable. I mean, think about the spread between this episode and the last episode that we've decided not to talk about. Yet keep referencing. I agree there's not much to go on. I have a guess, though. I think they've already kind of done the Edge of Tomorrow thing with the first episode of this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something similar. Of, like, jumping into the vat of acid brings them both back to, like, the same point. As long as they jump into the same vat of acid, they, they like, stay together in, like, a time loop or something. Like a reset button. 
I see. Hmm. That's just, that is it purely a guess that I have nothing to base that on. I mean, I was just assuming Rick tampered with it and like, it's slightly less acidic, so it's going to burn Morty real bad, but not kill him. I don't know, because the vat of acid is clearly very central to this episode. What if it's not? What if it's literally just a bit, they're like, why don't we name it this, even though the vat of acid was literally in two minutes of the episode? Honestly, that would go with the current season so far. We've been fooled in the past thinking that IMDb knows what it's talking about when it didn't. I have not checked IMDb on this yet, but I'm about to. Like, uh, whether that's the correct name of the episode, or if that's just what somebody... Oh, Rick and Morty already announced the names for the rest of the season. Okay. Okay. Uh, should we talk Solar Opposites? Sure. Where did you guys watch up to? I've started episode eight, the last one. I do just haven't finished it. I watched the first three. I watched the first four, maybe five. And let's be real. It's just Rick and Morty, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just Rick and Morty. Well, that just sounds like Rick and Morty with extra steps. I feel like the show is different, but the tone and the vibe certainly are very similar. No, I feel like the pace and the everything, like if Rick and Morty was a car, it's like you stole Rick and Morty and then painted over it and you resold it. I don't know why I had to go with that metaphor instead of just saying it just seems like a very similar thing to Rick and Morty, but so, here we are. Uh, have you guys ever heard of a show called Third Rock from the Sun? I've heard of it. I have no idea. I'm sure it's about aliens, but... It's a sitcom in the 90s about, like, a family of aliens who have who are have taken, like, humanoid shape and are living in a neighborhood on Earth on, like, a science scientific discovery mission. This felt like that, but with the comedic stylings of Royland. I gotta be honest, I really, I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. You know, it is just more Rick and Morty, but I'm fine with that. It's more of, like, earlier Rick and Morty. Well, it's, it feels like the joke's in a completely new setting. Also, I'm just loving seeing Thomas Middleditch do comedic voice acting. Oh, fuck, that's Thomas Middleditch? Yeah, he's Terry. Fuck yeah. I love Thomas Middleditch so much. He's still the funniest comedian I've seen live. Oh, I remember. I was, like, thinking of looking shit up, and then I'm like, no, Brandon will know everything. I'll just wait for him to tell me. Well, I certainly think so. But, um, <laughs> but yes, I, I'm really enjoying Thomas Middleditch and I like how these new characters bounce off of each other. It's not the same dynamic as Rick and Morty. It is very much like a new dynamic and I'm enjoying these new characters that they're working with. Also, at the points that you guys have gotten to in the episode, have you, like, kind of gone into, like, the menagerie and the wall of, like, all, like, the miniature people? Yes. Oh, yeah, that was one thing I wanted to say. I like the continuity that they have. That there seems to be... Also, spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, it's, it's introduced in, like, the first episode, so it's, it's part it, yeah, of it. Yeah, but I do like that there is a degree of continuity. It is still very story of the week, but, you know, there seems to be a running thing with people who have been put into the menagerie and they are acting as B or C stories sometimes. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's great for a B story that you can like regularly go back to, but also I do think it's going to interesting places. Absolutely. I'm curious where that's going to go. Real quick, who's who? Who is... Who plays uh, the kid characters who I've mentally nicknamed Bart and Lisa because <laughs> I don't remember their names? Uh, no, that makes perfect sense. Yumulak is voiced by Sean Giambrone. Yumulak. 
who apparently he's on the Goldbergs, and apparently he's also apparently Disney Channel is doing a live action version of Kim Possible, and he's playing the male sidekick. Gross! Why would they? Because there is no such thing as a new idea, Joseph. How how, how could I put this delicately? Give us some money. <laughs> We want a gift, as long as it's money. <laughs> uh, Jesse is voiced by Mary Mack, the comedian. Yeah, they've got some good voice actors for like the people in the menagerie. Alfred Molina, Andrew da- Daly, Christina Hendricks, Jason Mantzoukas, and Tiffany Haddish. Was Andrew Daly the red-shirted guy who was in there? Yep, Tim. Cool. Who previously was on Silicon Valley as uh, the doctor. He's been like an amazing bit character on TV shows for years. Yeah, no, so I, I'm excited to see where that goes. I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, this is still about Rick and Morty. But it's nice to see what they're doing. You know, one thing I do want to talk about, I have a bone to pick with the commercials on Hulu. Now, I don't know if this is specifically <laughs> on Hulu or if this is commercials everywhere. You know, Hulu's really the only place I see ads. But every company is advertising, like, now more than ever, where we have to stay at home. You should get a car loan and buy a car. What the fuck? Why? Why? How does that relate? Why are you telling me to buy a fucking car? It's just like everything boils down to now more than ever. We need to make sure capitalism continues on the awful path that it's led us to. Because you you spent something, Joseph. You actually, you went in somewhere and you paid money, cold, hard cash (laughs) to keep the consumerist capitalist system going. (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck is that like why why are they why can't you just shut up for five the economy is on pause just let it pause so you make four billion dollars this year instead of five you you can only afford seven yachts no no, no. let let it pause for everyone else but my company you know what (laughs) i hadn't thought of it that way that's a good point if everybody else pulls their weight i don't have to like read the room to quote you from last week so, anybody got anything else? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what else there is to talk about this episode. It was good. It was a good, it was a very, like, run-of-the-mill, but good episode. Run-of-the-mill Rick and Morty with only, like, three 9-11 jokes. It was the same 9-11 joke told in different ways. Don't you double-count 9-11 jokes, Toby. I would count it as two, because, like, I mean, it's... <laughs> Like, the, the Beth going, like, why were those the two options? That was a very good joke. A Daily Squanch, discussing the hard-hitting questions of our time. This has been The Daily Squanch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can find more of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, YouTube, Carrier Pigeon, Morse Code, or any other way you get your podcasts. Please tune in next week for us to be talking about the Vat of Acid episodes, Season 4, Episode 8. Stay safe out there, and hope to see you next time. Well, don't stay safe out there. Stay in your fucking homes.